Welcome back to Cooper Duper, Twin Peaks podcast for regular people. This is Jess. I am Mikey. And we are joined today by John Bernardi. Say hi, bud. Hey, how are you? Great. Thank you so much for uh, coming on our show. Would you like to give kind of a high-level overview of who you are and why you're here? <laughs> All right. Well, I've been um, I've been watching Twin Peaks since I was 12 years old back in 90s, so I'm kind of in Mikey's boat there. And um, I I just can't stop thinking about the show, and um, I, I write about it a lot over at 25yearsside.com. Awesome. So yeah, that's, I feel like the same thing is something about how it, it it's honestly they even talk about it a lot in this this is interestingly enough a good episode for this because they talk about a lot about how like you have to face your fears and all that and i think that's exactly why mm-hmm. i'm into twin peaks is because it scared the living hell out of me and so <laughs> exactly. and so my whole obsession with it is like i have to face it i have to figure it all out i have to mm-hmm. like like read up on like all of that stuff i think is interestingly enough this is probably a yeah. coincidentally a good episode to have picked because that's yeah my approach to it i think yeah yeah overall i really thought we were back in like good twin peaks territory <laughs> and this episode was mm-hmm. not great for me personally oh. <laughs> in my experience the wine it's, tasting was rough yeah stuff. it's a step back from last <laughs> week's episode which i think is really really good yeah um, okay, so shall we? But yeah, there ultimately there's a handful of stuff in this episode that is not really relevant to anything. No. The wine tasting being a big part. <laughs> okay, so I'm going to kick off with the log lady intro, um, and off we go. Oh, first of all, <laughs> oh, did says, you watch those? By the way, did the you watch log the log lady, lady intro? I, I didn't actually watch the log lady intro. So it's about pie. This is an interesting. This is the most um, literal, I guess, it's ever been. Like, it's the most we get Log Lady talking about the fact that she actually lives in Twin Peaks and is mm. a character instead of sort of this, like, omniscient narrator. Um, and she does start off just saying, hi, which <laughs> I thought she said hi, and I thought she was just kicking up, like, <laughs> hey, it's me, the Log Lady, back. Um, anyway, here we go. Pi, whoever invented the pie. Here was a great person. In Twin Peaks, we specialize in cherry pie and huckleberry pie. We do have many other types of pie, and the double R at, and at the Double R Diner, Norma knows how to make them all better than anyone I've ever known. I hope Norma likes me. I know I like her and respect her. I've spit my pitch gum out of my mouth onto her walls and floors and sometimes onto her boots. Sometimes I get angry and do things I'm not proud of. I do love Norma's pies. I love pie with coffee. <laughs> yeah, I wish Nora was in this episode because of how log lady centric yeah, the, like the intro got... is for an episode that Norma's not even in. <laughs> it's really a departure from what the long lady intros are normally. Like normally they're really like non-literal, I guess is the mm-hmm. best way I can put it. And this is just like, mm-hmm. hey, pie's pretty good, huh? Here's some pies that we have. <laughs> what's What's your take on this one? Does this have strong significance for the rest of this episode for you, John? Um, I, there, there's a certain level of like respect the people who, um, who you interact with, who you live with, like all that kind of stuff. I think that's, um, most of it. And I kind of wonder if like bringing up Norma is kind of like Lynch's way of including Norma anyway, even if she wasn't there. I don't know. 
maybe a retroactive like she should have been there she yeah. should have been in this yeah <laughs> yeah because i mean he wrote them like what three or four years after the series yeah. was actually done so you know you had an extra in the double r bring them all that pie at the end mm-hmm. you could have had norma yeah. do that yeah yeah i wonder and y'all would know better than me um when because da- David Lynch is in this episode, he didn't direct it. Mm-hmm. When he was on set, did he get any creative say, or was he? I mean, he's very yeah, he's still executive actor. producer, so he still yeah. meddles with things. But mm-hmm. you know, in the end, it, the, it's still directed by whoever. I don't even know who the director was. Uh, somebody <laughs> sang. This, yeah, Jonathan this one was Sanger. Jonathan I don't even know who that is. Yeah, oh, he was. I, um... He's actually an old school guy with uh, with Mel Brooks back in the day. He's the oh, one really? who brought. Oh. Yeah, he's the one who brought the Elephant Man script to Mel Brooks oh, in the first place. Interesting. So interesting. that's probably how he got connected with Lynch. Interesting. So, yeah, nice. they've they've been friends for a very long time, and cool. I wouldn't be shocked that you know that was part of the camaraderie when uh, <laughs> when yeah, we had yeah. that uh, Shelley and Gordon scene. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it, it'll be weird if I'm directing the scene. Yeah, be to be so just like, hey, I want to. Uh, if someone else, hey, yeah, I'm just doing what the director's telling me. Yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely. Yeah, even though he told Harley Payton to put exactly. a scene in. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so yeah, it was written by Mark Frost and Harley Payton, according to my notes, which doesn't mm-hmm. surprise me. It felt like the, yeah. the dialogue. There's felt there's very... several really good crisp mm-hmm. lines in this in this episode. Um, yeah. so shall we jump into the episode? Sure. Uh, the, the lawmen enter Owl Cave and notice that someone had been there since their last visit and determined and determined that it was Wyndham Earl. Cooper has Andy draw the petroglyph and Harry call Major Briggs. Yeah, pretty simple. I liked, I liked that there's a really good echo in this scene that felt really honest. Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. it didn't feel like a state, like a soundstage. Oh, oh. like it felt like. Like a literal sound echo, not a... Yeah, like it could have been a real cave. Like the the way things were recorded sounded funny. Mm-hmm. Not funny, but like good and echoey in a way that... Yeah. Authentic. If it, was, if it was a post-effect, it was really good post-effect. Because mm-hmm. I honestly don't know if this is a soundstage or a real cave. I assume it's a soundstage. I would assume, yeah. but... To go to I would ass- yeah, I would assume, but it's a really well done yeah. soundstage mm-hmm. if that's the case. Yeah. Um, yeah, we I, go, oh, go ahead. Oh, I just like thematically how like Andy was talking about how once you go uh, so far into this place, you don't know whether it's day or night. And like, it, it's mm-hmm. kind of like that weird, that weird little in between sort of thing that Twin Peaks is so great at. And that's the perfect place to have a petroglyph. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And even like in, in kicking off this episode, mm-hmm. we don't know as an audience, okay, is this later that night? Yeah. Is this the next morning? Right, because we this, ended the last episode yeah, with... Yeah, we know Merle. that they had gone and Wyndham Merle had come in mm-hmm. at some point, but we don't know how much time has elapsed, so a lot of that rings true there, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, Pete is writing a poem about Josie um, <laughs> as he's figuring out his next chess move, which is very adorable. I love Pete. Um, until mm-hmm. Catherine barges in, like, stop talking about... Like... I love Catherine so much, and this is really strong <laughs> Catherine work. She asked for his help to open um, a box that she got from Thomas Eckert. Um, so yeah, he asked. Uh, I, there's such a genuine reaction of Pete that immediately it's just like, "Well, do you have a key?" <laughs> like, 
Like, just take one step back and think about it. Would you be getting asked to open this if she had had the key? Mm-hmm. I love it. Well, but I guess just he's so just going Pete's, through his flowchart. Yeah. 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 Exactly. Yeah. It's just Pete being like simple Pete. Like, mm-hmm. oh, well, if you can't open something, it's probably locked. So we need yep. a key. The key? Yeah, exactly. Okay. Save us all a lot of time and energy. Um, Pete figures out that it is a puzzle box. Um, I'm excited to talk about the puzzle box because this is the worst puzzle box of all time. Um, we will get back to that momentarily. Bobby, we're in the diner now. Bobby tries to convince Shelly to enter the Miss Twin Peaks concert, saying that beautiful people have easier lives, specifically <laughs> R.E. murder charges. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's yeah. what he was saying. And her thing was like, I don't like making speeches. I made a speech in class one time and passed out. Meanwhile, whether she wins Miss Twin Peaks or not, She's still beautiful. Mm-hmm. So, like, if, yeah. <laughs> if if your point is, like, hey, they go easier on you when you're in the electric chair or whatever, like, she's still a beautiful person. They're not going to be like, oh, but she won Miss Twin Peaks. <laughs> so. Um, mm-hmm. Dwayne and Lana, ha- oof, this is rough. Dwayne and Lana have breakfast, and Lana tells him she wants to win the contest and requests him to guarantee this. Now, I did not realize Lana had a deep southern accent because i don't think i've heard her say that many words up until now to be fair i don't know that you were paying that close to attention anytime she was on screen um this is i don't understand like what is lana bringing to the table in this show like what is her like seriously like what is her character supposed to represent what stories it's supposed to push along or is it just we need another human person to like fill out 42 minutes a week. You want to feel this one? Cause I don't have yeah, a, I, <laughs> I don't really have a great beat on her at all. Other than I think they thought it would be really funny to have like this, this like sex bomb of a woman in town. Like, I, I just think they, they would get a lot of good, you know, crack each other up kind of jokes. Yeah. Me, meanwhile, they have some of the most beautiful women in existence say, already yeah. in the town. <laughs> My main problem with Twin Peaks is the women are dogs. And it's the, 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 the thing that's like her little stretch earlier of the four or five episodes that she was in, whatever. It was when Twin Peaks was trying to refine its footing. Yeah. And then you go a few episodes without her, and then she comes back, and you're like, seriously? <laughs> Why? Like, who was clamoring for Lana to come back? Like, it was like, oh, we forgot about this character, and that's fine. And then they brought her back for reasons that are inexplicable. Yeah. Uh, Cooper enters the diner. He puts in an order for himself and the lawman. What, a bunch of donuts, four coffees. Yeah, two very black, specific two white, coffee. Yeah. No sugars. Um, and then he invites Annie to go on a nature study with him, um, which that's fine. Which is actually I, a, I think, a smart date choice because she was able to identify the chickadee on the Dodge Dart. Mm-hmm. Like, so she's clearly a nature lover mm-hmm. into some yeah. regard. So that seems and like Cooper a pays attention to the details. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I think I think that was like a smart first date option. Mm-hmm. Sure. Very romantic. Um, Shelly is at the cash register and starts randomly reciting the poem that she got. Hmm. Um, it's 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 sort of like in response to Bobby. Bobby Bob, like just being like, oh boy, I like Bobby, <laughs> but you know what I mean? And then she just recites 
They really had to kind of shoehorn that in, but... Yeah, it was rough. Mm-hmm. There's um, at least some catalyst for it. Yeah, uh, but Cooper immediately um, recognizes it and asks for a copy, which she gives over with no hesitation. She's Her, like, yep. mm-hmm. Yeah, it's great. Like, that's... Like, the way she does it, it's just like, okay. Like, <laughs> I don't need this third of a yeah. piece of this handwritten <laughs> poem. Like, I don't want this. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but meanwhile, she also, like... If this handwriting is so spot on, Shelley doesn't recognize it as as Leo's handwriting, but Cooper does. Ooh, also, it's it's basically written by Wyndham Earl with Leo's hand limply hanging onto the pen. <laughs> like, there's no way that handwriting would yeah, would be anything unless he had some very specific like l that he did or something like that there's nothing in there that identifies it as being leo's handwriting right yeah well i mean i know there's no way to really do that but i feel like earlier in the series he had this thing with handwriting like where he was able to oh yeah yeah um he intuits the um oh my gosh it it was with audrey and you know it's like this uh oh um, the the, the my special agent yeah, yes. and and like the loop in yeah. your L inspires, oh. or I mean, it it says there's like some kind of uh, nature that she has, and yeah. like he says that. So like that's just a character trait that they're bringing back, you know, rather than it actually looking like it's real. Okay. Yeah, you know, it's a yeah, yeah. <laughs> and he knows he's been on the mine because they know he's missing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay, interesting. Good. Okay. <laughs> yeah, no, it's just like a savant that, thing. Because I always thought yeah. it was just kind of dumb. Yeah. And like, oh, well, we need him to recognize it. But and I mean, we saw that Leo wrote it, sort of. Yeah, your point still stands that, like, no matter what, that the handwriting mm-hmm. would not probably be recognized. But then when Leo's. he looks at it, he's like, it's not going to be an exact... I mean, one of them is in cursive and one of them is... Print. Print, yeah. Mm-hmm. So, but but that's... But putting it more in that, like, he intuited this rather mm-hmm. than deduced it, sure. I think is, a, is mm-hmm. a, an interesting approach. I like that. I feel better about it. Well done. <laughs> um, so Cooper has Hawk uh, received the section of the poem given to Donna and then Leo's arrest report. That's that paragraph. I don't know what any of that meant. What did that? I don't remember that. I was reading, looking at my notes. I didn't even hear what you said. That's Cooper has Hawk receive a section of the poem and then Leo's. Oh, yeah, because he has, he, he gets the poem from... Shelly, and then says, we need the, the third from Donna and the third from Audrey, and he mm-hmm. says, Audrey's out of town. Okay. And it's to remind the viewer that she's out of town. Mm. Um, Briggs, uh, so Major Briggs walks into the station, um, and he sees Andy drawing the petroglyph on the conference room blackboard, uh, correcting some lines. Cooper requests the assistant of Briggs with the case at hand, and asking for information on Earl's activity with Project Blue Book. Briggs agrees to the grounds that the information will Briggs agrees on the grounds that the information will prevent future loss of life. I, I like that whole exchange. Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. that whole I'm not supposed to mm-hmm. but you're a good person mm-hmm. and I believe this is a just cause. Talk to me a little more. Yeah. Give me give me a little bit more of a nudge and maybe I can do it. Yeah, I, he's asking I, me I really, to talk into it. Yeah, I, I mm-hmm. really, really like that approach to it um hawk brings leo's arrest report matching his handwriting to the poem is that where the hooded figure is in between yes too 
Yeah, they that... they do it twice. There's that mm-hmm. one, and then there's one toward the end. Yeah, and it all of those weird like animation choices are with mm-hmm. Major Briggs. It's all like yeah, Major Briggs vision stuff, which mm-hmm. I think is really mm-hmm. like even like the vibrant green throne that he sits on mm-hmm. at that point, and then like yeah. the the, mm-hmm. the tattoo image coming in, all of that. But I thought it was really cool. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think that kind of frames that scene with, uh, you know, like where Briggs is trying to, you know, get nudged towards giving the information. Yeah. And I, I think that kind of, it's all connected to that. Um, I think it's the same hooded figure that you see when Briggs gets abducted in the first place. Mm-hmm. And, like, there's mm-hmm. all these White lodge kind of connections with him at that point. So, like, I think that's trying to say, like, um, you know, bigger picture story that. Um, yeah. You know, like Cooper's on to the the true thing that's happening. That he doesn't quite know what it is yet, but they're trying mm-hmm. to get him there. And uh, yeah, I don't know, it's, it's a nice it's, touch. It's interesting because it's it's a good like it's the plot like it's almost like they were directly connected. Like in the earlier episodes, when the big mystery is who killed Laura Palmer. Mm-hmm. The Bob and evil spirits and all that stuff is all directly connected to that same mystery. Whereas yeah. this one now, like the mystery is like, where is Winter Merle and how do we stop him and whatever. Mm-hmm. But then there's this whole other like supernatural and it's connected, but in a different way. It's like they're both looking for this same mystery. And I kind of really dig that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I wish we could have gotten more of the major break stuff. Mm-hmm. I wish instead of um, like the wine tasting or some of these <laughs> ridiculous things, they like brought in other military agents who were on the working project blue book in mm-hmm. some way and had some connection and, and got some more of that mythology. Yeah. Like that would have been awesome to, to have done with these extra few minutes that you needed yeah. to film. Yeah. And then they could have paired it up with like, Donna seeing the Tremonts again or something. Right. Yeah. Any like, and you could have brought in characters we know and love who are doing mm-hmm. almost nothing now. Yeah. Sarah Palmer, the log lady, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Sarah Palmer. <laughs> Christ. Yeah. Oh, she's so I know. It's so, e- it's so easy to fan fiction this part. <laughs> okay. So we are back at the uh, Great Northern. Dick, with his nose bandaged, approaches Ben. Mm-hmm. Um, wishing to see Audrey uh, to discuss his wine tasting event, but he's directed to the concierge. Ben says that the business will pay uh, medical expenses for Dick's nose. And then doesn't Dick kind of like say like, also... Yeah, loose, loosely yeah. hints that we were going to sue the <laughs> shit out of you yeah. for this. So yeah. maybe think about giving me a little something extra. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah uh, but only after he convinces Ben that that's the... Uh the the right thing to do you know it's like all humility <laughs> yeah. right up until the shark teeth come out yeah <laughs> <laughs> but like bear like it's just like showing you that they're there i'm not mm-hmm. like i'm yeah. not throwing them at you yet but they're just just well, remember that he, they're there mm-hmm. he gave him the opportunity to like come up with the idea on his own yeah and when he yeah. didn't he was like actually since we're talking <laughs> yeah, yeah. Since and then i yeah. love i love that line or the the capper on the end of that scene with uh, Ben's, what is it? The sometimes the urge to do bad is mm-hmm. is overwhelming or, or something. Like that. Yeah. I'll drop it in here. Yeah. 
Sometimes the urge to do bad is nearly overpowering. Yeah, that was good because it, it it does feel kind of like a Shakespearean aside of like mm-hmm. when Elson he's talking to the uh, the audience like I know I'm good now but don't forget I still like being mad so much <laughs> like that's kind of what it felt. But like. also like the, he is still trying mm-hmm. to be a better person. No, he is, but yeah. like we're. We need to see his. But he's still the same person. Yeah. He's trying, mm-hmm. but he's still the same person. Yep. Okay, so we are where we are back with Wyndham Earl and Leo, um, and we have Rusty. Where did Rusty come from again? <laughs> did he establish? I thought he just showed up. He just shows up. Okay. Yeah, he, he just he's showed in the up. first shot of the episode, so you know he exists, sure. which is kind of a f- fun little like they pan back to Le- like the cameras just got this. Slow move of you start at Wyndham Earl and then it pan- this is all during like the credits. You got this long mm-hmm. thing and then you see Leo and then it keeps going past Leo and you're like, who the fuck is this guy? Yeah. <laughs> and he's just there. Also, it's it's Ted Raimi who is Sam Raimi's brother. Oh, is, I knew he was somebody. Yeah. Mm-hmm. A funny little bit. Um, did we know his name was Rusty or am I just learning this? I the first think time? they established that later. Okay. He's yeah, I think it's in the credits or something. Rusty Zabowski. Yeah, um, his, I think. They determine in the next episode when they are discussing the dead body they have, they give him a name, but I think he's just like Metalhead Teen or whatever. Oh, yeah, yeah, Heavy Metal Youth. Heavy Metal Youth, that's what it is, yeah. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Heavy Metal Youth. uh, Which is just great. Like, it's. He's so over the top. And, like, why. Why would he. Why would he have gone. Presumably, like. Premier, man! But like teens do stupid shit. For look at James just like <laughs> yep. goes to Wally's hideout and just like, hey, give me a beer, and they're like, okay. Like mm-hmm. he's, it's not hard to get beer in Twin Peaks. <laughs> like it's everybody just goes to like like there's all the teenagers hang out at the Roadhouse every night. <laughs> like <laughs> it's not hard to get alcohol. Yeah. And like if you were gonna do that, you went by yourself. You didn't, like, take the rest of, like, your band? Because I think they determined <laughs> that the band had a show mm-hmm. nearby in the next episode. The guy from, uh, what's his name? The guy from, like, oh, um, Sex in the City and stuff Willie, like that. Willie something? Willie Garson. Like, Garson. Oh, thank you. Something like that, yes. He's oh, in the I next episode. That. He's, like, the band's, like, roadie or manager or something yeah. like that. He explains where this kid came from. Mm-hmm. But, like... He didn't go like with his buddies or like, oh, you you guys do this. I'm like, it's just all so strange. Yeah. I -hmm. almost would have preferred just one scene of him just like Like, walking up to him, knocking him over the head, and dragging him into his van. Or if he's a hitchhiker or something like that. Yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. Make him a hitchhiker. Anything. It's just the whole like, you promised me beer, man. It's so bizarre. (laughs) The thing is that Twin Peaks often both over and under explains things yes yeah like some things they go so deep and really want you to know <laughs> and every like, nook don't and care yeah. And like, yeah okay let's move this along and then this is like new character popped in yeah who cares where he came from <laughs> i know um, and it, it happened and it completely interrupts this like amazing lore drop yeah mm-hmm. <laughs> i'm curious about the giant chess piece that they put him in i guess this we can get in later but are they built the same ones from the Diane Keaton episode so they could do that opening shot? Is it the same <laughs> construction? I don't 
would think of so. The this giant chest looks pieces. pretty janky. Well, because he, he was still building it. By the end, when you see that oh. final shot, it oh. looks a lot like the ones. I wonder if they were just like, well, we've got these plans to make all these <laughs> giant chess pieces. Why don't we use them again? Yeah, yeah. Carve it open and. <laughs> yeah. Cut, a, yeah. cut a little hole in it, put a guy in there, we're good. <laughs> Not a bad idea. Um. So Wyndham Earl constructs a paper mache pawn around Rusty. Um, mm-hmm. And then Earl gives Rusty a beer. Um, and then Earl gets technically out. Leo does. Yeah, Leo <laughs> kind of pours mm-hmm. in his face. Um, and then Earl gets out the teeny tiniest crossbow I ever did see. It's like the size of my <laughs> forearm. Yeah. And he and like still it's like, so you can hide it in your boot. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But he still also like uses foot to like uh-huh. cock it or whatever he do. Which made him. it look significantly larger. Was... And then it's when he like picks it up and points it, and you're like, oh, that's like a little pistol thing. Yeah. Yeah. Um. And he tells Leo to get him an arrow, which he uses to fetch me an arrow. And I did like, how am I supposed to get out of this thing? You're not. Pew, 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 pew. Yeah, they Mm -hmm. really, they really, like, just, like, hide in editing away (laughs) how he got to the cabin, how he got into, like, this giant paper mache construction thing that probably took Mm -hmm. several hours. And he's probably still wet while he's making it, so he could just, like, like smush the yeah. walls out. It's so good. Oh god. Yeah. Okay. Um <laughs> Okay, so the Miss Twin Peaks Judging and Rules Committee assembles. So it's uh Will Hayward, Dwayne Milford, and Pete Martell. Um they are addressed by Ben, who wishes to have this year's speeches be on the subject of conservation and forests. And he does How did they get selected? They're like, the creepiest old white guys. Well, I, I, I get Pete Martell. <laughs> He's kind of just like a townsperson. Everybody knows. And he is retired and doesn't really have anything to do. So sure. Dwayne Milford is the mayor. Uh-huh. So that even just that alone seems a little weird. Plus he's married to a contestant. Which does not seem ethical. Doesn't seem. Yeah. And then like the the main town physician, like, yeah, no, dude, you're busy. Yeah. Like <laughs> you've got things to do, right? Um, and I really liked this whole speech that um that what's his face that Ben, ben gave Horn? about like Oh, beauty is more than just physical good looks. It's now their heart and their minds. And it's like as if this is a brand new thing that for the first time in 1991, people are like, did you know that women can be attractive beyond just their physical looks? Have you guys heard about this? They're talking about it all over the news. <laughs> I don't buy it. Rude. Um, so that was fun. Ben wishes to have the years. Speeches beyond the did that already. Lana enters the contest with Shelly, Donna, and Nadine in line. Um, Bobby expresses worried thoughts about Mike's interest in Nadine. Okay. Okay, okay. So Mike yeah. is the guy who has been um, fucking Nadine. Mike is in high school. Nadine is 40s? Yeah. 35. Is she supposed to be 35? She's supposed to be my age? Yeah, she she announces 35 later on. Huh. Huh. I just assumed 42, 43. Yep. Right. Yeah, that's kind of where I put it, but yeah, you know, whatever. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> probably because Wendy Roby is 42, 43 right. in this, yeah. Yeah. Okay, interesting. Um, and this scene I found upsetting. Um, so Bobby is like, ooh, why are you fucking an old lady? And Mike says, do you know what, what is it? I'm going to put it in here. Mike, he's 
long time no see. I'd ask where you've been keeping yourself, but I think I know. This is very scary, Mike. It's not what you think. It's not what I think? What do you think I think? You think I'm going out with an older woman? I think I don't know where you got this sudden interest in the life of fossils. <laughs> yeah, but it's not what you think. Mike, big favor. Clean this up for me. I wouldn't expect you to understand. I will strive to be understanding. Do you have any idea what a combination of sexual maturity and superhuman strength can result in? It's you know about the combination the, of, yeah, the, the combination. of sexual maturity oh. and superhuman strength or something like yes. that. Yes. And then he whispers <laughs> in, he whispers whatever, because when he's like, do you know what that all means? And I thought he just meant like an overall pleasurable sexual experience. Yeah. But apparently mm-hmm. he had one specific thing that happened. and so Which he, also is very short. Like yeah. it wasn't like, this is what we did. Yeah. And he explained this thing yeah. that he was like, oh, it's like he said like, like there's a, there's a term for it yeah. or like a single word or whatever. Um, and how they put it in twinpeaks.fandom.com, um, it <laughs> profoundly impresses Bobby. Oh. He makes a sound <laughs> that I did not Whoa! care for. <laughs> it made me uncomfortable. <laughs> Here's what I do genuinely really like about that scene. And maybe I'm putting something on it, but at the end of that scene, you get that, almost straight to camera shot of Nadine and she looks and the way she kind of tilts her head makes me think she's a hundred percent winking with her left eye. Oh. <laughs> like she, she, Mike looks at her and Nadine looks mm-hmm. at him and I'm pretty sure she's winking with her left eye, the one that's which is the eye one patch. that's covered with the eye patch. Yeah. And I think it is like a brilliant, really, really deep joke that like, unless you, because it's just she kind of does this like tiny like little head tilt, tilt, which is like what you do when you're winking, but you can't see the wink at all. And I think mm-hmm. it's either brilliant or I just made up a joke for either a scene way. that isn't there. And either way, I find <laughs> either way very funny. Um, okay, we are back <laughs> to the blue pine blue pine lodge. Yeah, blue pine lodge. Harry is talking to Catherine, um, wanting to know Josie's reasons for the things she did, wishing to understand. Um, Catherine tells him her beliefs that Josie never really showed her true self to anyone, um, which has to be pretty devastating to Harry, huh? Like, because ostensibly she's saying that she's like sort of a psychopath, right? Like she mm-hmm. does not show true emotions. Mm-hmm. She and, projects what she thinks a person is supposed to say. In the and view. and not only that, like. It not only is like, oh, that she's not who I thought she was or whatever. It also mm-hmm. means like, maybe I'm not a good cop. Oh. I didn't see any of this shit. Oh. If she, and, and like, I think that's a lot of why this all hits mm-hmm. Harry so hard is that he's realizing like, I'm supposed to be like a detective. Yeah. And yeah. I didn't pick up on fucking any of this. Cooper comes yeah. to town within a couple of weeks. He's like, mm-hmm. I'm going to keep my eye on <laughs> You know what I yeah. mean? Like, yeah, that's a good Well, point. Harry's Harry's completely hypnotized by the surface. Right. You know, he says, you know, oh, but she was so beautiful. It's like, you know, I mean, that's 
sort of a yeah i mean <laughs> the distraction sort of works for a little while but after a certain point you'd think you'd go deeper but you know that, yeah. that's also just i think it's more of a show metaphor at this point too you know it's like mm -hmm. the the mist twin peaks it's all supposed to be about the service but now it can be about like environmentalism too or something sure. you know it's like it, it's all about you know I mean, if if you get right down to it, you know, there's the homecoming picture, and then there's the the Laura that really you learn about as you go, that kind of thing. Oh, sure. So it all it all fits together <laughs> theme wise. Mm -hmm. It's just you know sometimes the execution's better than other times. Yeah, and that kind yeah. of speaks a lot to. I mean, the, yeah, the duality of yeah, the everybody. Duality of mm -hmm. Yeah, and it's I I feel like they do constantly talk about like Josie is so beautiful she could get mm -hmm. away with anything, which she's obviously a gorgeous person, but like in the group of gorgeous women in Twin Peaks. I don't think she's like an outstanding beauty. So it's really funny that he's like, she's so beautiful, people didn't mm -hmm. even question her. She could just walk in yeah. anywhere and people were like, oh, gaga ga gooey. Gaga ga But in um, terms of, you know, like if, yeah. if you compare her to Lana, you know, like she absolutely yeah. does have that ability, you know? It's like, she, she's kind of like the in-between between like all the yeah. tell not show and the, uh, the show not tell that everybody else is. Yeah. Meanwhile, you've got like Mage and Amick and Cheryl and Fenn who right. are yeah. drop dead gorgeous and are like, yeah, they're supposed to be pretty, but yeah. they're not like mm -hmm. showstoppers. That is a <laughs> like, good point, John. That is definitely like they are. Sh they realize that we're not seeing Josie as like the knockout stunner of Twin Peaks, so they're constantly mm -hmm. reminding and, us, like, hey, don't forget everybody, she's gorgeous. And I think uh, honestly, a lot of that falls back on it being originally designed for Isabella Rossellini, oh, yeah. who I think Isabella Rossellini is that person. Yeah. Like, she is just, ex like, without doing anything, just exudes this just... Well, she's very glamorous. Yeah. She? Mm -hmm. And there's just, like, this trance, where is the problem, I think, was just that Joan Chen's delivery of everything was... She's not really charismatic. Yeah. And no matter how good-looking you are, if you're not... Particularly charismatic, it's not really going to mm. sell on camera yeah. or in person or anything like that. Yeah. And um, unfortunately, they wrote her because, I mean, it was 1990 and yeah, the uh, the exoticism of. Sure. <laughs> like it, it's just, uh, I don't know, the, certain aspects age better than others when it comes to <laughs> TV production back then. Yeah, you're right. There is the whole thing. Like, she's the only person of color mm -hmm. who's in the main cast. Yeah, who's yeah. Like, more than... And they don't use the word exotic, which was like... But I think you're absolutely right that, like, oh, yeah. she's, like, not blue-eyed and blonde-haired. Yeah. That's the yeah. interesting point. But also, I th and I think, I think there's a, a truth to someone of color being in Twin Peaks, which is a white small town. Mm -hmm. yeah. And so there is a little bit of that, like, I'm intrigued mm -hmm. because you look different than every single well, other person in this town. And she's actually, like, from Asia. Like, yeah. she's actually a, mm -hmm. like an yeah. immigrant. It's not just, like, she's a third-generation, like, person yeah. who grew up in Twin Peaks. She is a new person to their community. Um, those are all excellent points. Good job, everyone. Um, <laughs> so, so that's what I do when I can't find my spot, John. Now you know my secrets. So, um... Catherine asks Harry. Jessica, now everybody knows her secrets. Because I, we're this on is the air. Just going on the we are internet. on the <laughs> air. <laughs> we're using a different program this time. Oh no! And this is on AM radio. AM radio. Everyone listens to AM radio. <laughs> so oh man. Uh, um, 
So Catherine asks for Harry's help with the puzzle box, um, but he also doesn't know how to open it. And they do a lot. I didn't understand what the puzzle box is supposed to be because they keep like kind of like turning it around as if it's one of those games that like you have to get the mm-hmm. the ball. In the have hole. you ever used a puzzle box? I didn't even know a puzzle box was a real okay. thing. A lot of them, that's what it is. Oh. So what it is is you build like my uh, so I know Why this do you because know about puzzle boxes? I know this because <laughs> my friend Patrick, um, not. Patrick, the, my friend Pat, yep, please. Yep, 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 yep. His, I think, grandfather was a carpenter or whatever, <laughs> and he used to build him and his brothers and whatever puzzle boxes for like their birthday gifts every year. Hmm. And it would have like he would put like a plexiglass screen in it and it'd be like, "There's a hundred dollar bill in there. <laughs> you got to get it out." <laughs> oh, that's cool. And he would like he would give them the game, but more often than not, a lot of what it is is like in the seams of the edges and things like that. There'll be like a magnet holding the two instead of like a nail or something oh. or wood glue or something it'd be a magnet so you have to like pound it on the right spot and it'll separate the magnet so you can lift this panel off oh Thing, things like or it'll be like there's very or like there's a rod that you need to like hit it in a certain spot and the rod will slip from a certain hole so you can slide this piece out which will allow you to slide this over and then you can open it or various things. So like that explains that. why dropping it actually works. Yeah, it if it was like a magnet on the scenes or something like that, a, a magnet, a, a jostle like that would open it. Okay, up thank you because that is good information that I did not have, and I thought it was just the worst yeah. puzzle box of all yeah, time. Yeah, I, like- I tried one because I know he had one for a long time that had like five hundred dollars in it, and he couldn't get it. And and he's like, and his, and it was part of it was like, yes, that's awesome to have that, mm-hmm. or maybe it was two hundred dollars, whatever it was. This was, um. But I remember him saying, like, can you help me try it? Because it didn't count if they, like, cut it open. Sure, sure, sure. Like, you have to get It's a pride it. thing. Yeah. And we played with it for just, like, oh, what if I hit this side? What if I hit this <laughs> side? And we just, we never, I never figured it out. I don't know if Pat ever did. still has it. Um, Pete enters, immediately drops the box, which opens it, and it's found to contain, wait for it, smaller puzzle box. <laughs> and it's got all the Zodiac. That was the yeah. only thing I noticed. Mm-hmm. I saw the Zodiac I, symbols on But it. I do love Pete's reaction of like, okay. <laughs> the first time I accidentally dropped it, it worked. And he's mm-hmm. dropping again. <laughs> yeah. Oh, so God, close. It was a good try, though. Um... So Dale, Dale, they keep calling him Dale in this, and I do not care for it. Cooper and Annie go on their <laughs> nature study and talk about their respective troubled pasts. Um, I do like that. I, I really like that he kind of, like, uh, tries to probe about her time in the convent and mm-hmm. her time leading up to the convent. She's like, actually, I don't want to talk about that. And mm-hmm. he's very respectful of that. I think that's a nice, it's, nice touch. It's a character. really good scene that I only came to later. Early in my Twin Peaks days, it was like, oh, they're just boring. Uh, <laughs> and I didn't care about and it. And then it's... you fell in love and you understood right. what he right. was no, saying. But... <laughs> no, just like getting older and like watching the show and like these are the scenes that there's there's so much great information in these just mm-hmm. back and forth things. Mm-hmm. Um, and I really, really like it. And I think like we're like I was saying at the top of the episode how like it's – kind of symbolic of my love for Twin Peaks. Mm-hmm. It's mm-hmm. this idea of like I need to I'm invested in it because it scared me and I I want to know and I want to I don't know. I like that about it. Yeah. Yeah, it was um, just a nice scene in general cuz you've got mm-hmm. 
you've got um, both of them kind of coming together on the fact that something bad happened to them in the in the past. So like you're also getting backstory of Cooper a little bit more reinforced. And uh, mm -hmm. I don't know, it's just really nice. Like I know a lot of people rag on Annie, the the whole Cooper and Annie romance in general mm -hmm. and everything. I I think they actually do really match up well. It's just they only were allowed to have Heather Graham for what uh, six episodes or something. And, um, you know, like it just wasn't established. Like, yeah, they, had they started slow... her at season two or yeah. something. Yeah. Yeah. Or like, even if she had been around as long as Audrey, you know, it's like you can do this slow burn stuff. And that mm -hmm. way, like, when it started to pan out about now, it would actually feel mm -hmm. really organic. Mm -hmm. like, I, I, I just stand by them that they're actually I, a good match. I, I agree. I, and I like, I like that they, give like this scene is like is a good moment that's important for she's a good person mm -hmm. like she's had troubles and hardships and things like that because like you bring in this person who has been through some things and then she was in a convent and now she's just kind of here out of the blue like okay who are you mm -hmm. like we need to mm -hmm. be we've learned to be apprehensive of everyone mm -hmm. like who are you yeah. and so i think this is a real good grounding moment of like She's even like a little tepid and afraid to mm -hmm. show who she really is to someone who we know and love mm -hmm. who like, yeah, yeah, we trust Cooper. Everybody trusts Cooper. Cooper's the best. And then it's like, yeah, I get that, but I don't know you that well yet. And you're like, oh yeah. yeah. Like she's still naive and innocent mm -hmm. to that. And I think that is, you know, is an, is a nice character trait for her to have. Yeah. I think my, the issue I, t and as I've said before, I'm just like not a fan of Heather Graham's, which is not her fault. That's just my <laughs> take that I had when I was 13 and it stuck with me for 25 years or whatever. Um, but I think I don't love the romance between them, not for any other reason than I, it feels kind of ordinary for Cooper like, I feel like I like everything Cooper does to be, like, a little bit heightened and a little bit weird and a little bit, like, mm -hmm. off of center. Mm -hmm. And this just feels like – and I'm sure – it. I think that's their goal is to humanize him in a way. But, like, for me, the Cooper I like isn't just a regular dude who, like, mm -hmm. falls in love. He is, like, this weird guy who – hangs by gravity boots in the morning and talks into his recorder <laughs> and yells about coffee. Like, I want that, mm -hmm. Cooper. Yeah. I don't want this, like – sweet sappy which is just that's a preference more than any like mm -hmm. criticism of. The but it also like joined. i think that that's why i think it's interesting is that like you see annie genuinely falling for this person mm -hmm. because she's falling for him as a person mm -hmm. and cooper i think is falling for the idea of protecting her and saving uh, yes. her mm -hmm. and i think yeah, that's where the disconnect is he wants to be this thing for her and i love this idea mm -hmm. of i can save you mm -hmm. you're and, the one i'll save and then she is falling in love with him and i think that's where the tension ends up kind of coming mm -hmm. in that makes, and it's also yeah. the exact opposite of like the audrey crush which which audrey was in love with the side of cooper i was just talking about the mm -hmm. idiosyncrasies the de detective part of him and Annie's falling in love with the man of him, which I think is all good and great. It's just for me, like not a fun story that I want to see told. Um, okay. Um, so 
Cooper says that, so Cooper tells Annie that he can understand her pain, and then they kiss, uh, and then Wyndham Earl spies on them in one of his many disguises. (laughs) I mean, not even really, just like a fisherman hat. Yeah, it's a disguise. (laughs) Not really a disguise. And also not even like behind a tree. (laughs) He's just kind of like, I'm far enough away. Like, Mm -hmm. and like it gets the close up. He's just like out in the open, elbows wide. Like, taking up lots of space. Okay, so ready for but, the wine. But also, it's a little bit of foreshadowing. Is that's the same gazebo that mm. they find the giant chess piece in at the end of the episode? Oh yeah. Um. All right. Are you ready for the wine tasting? <laughs> so Who is Dick, it? <laughs> so Dick hosts a wine tasting event for the Stop Ghostwood campaign. Uh, Lucy and Lana help him pour. Th- so it's this room of people of Twin Peaks. Mm-hmm. I guess we'll call them. And he's like trying to bestow some of his worldly knowledge of wine on mm-hmm. them. And he starts obviously with bottle nine, <laughs> which is where the natural start of any wine tasting is. Like they're you can labeled. see that they're all lined up and is yeah, one, two, three, four, five, up to bottle nine. He's like, well, we shall we get started? Let's, this is our first wine. It's from whatever. And he even refers to it as this is our first wine. Yeah. And, but they start with, the bottle labeled number nine. And also, like, a red... This is super, like... Yeah, if you're doing a wine tasting, you're not starting with reds. <laughs> yeah, you're starting with whites. You go light to heavy almost exclusively. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Lucy and Lana help him pour the wine. And <laughs> there is a very good line that Dick says, some say that red is the only wine. And then Andy does this, like, peak Andy <laughs> moment. <Nope. laughs> There's also Sometimes there's wines. also white and sparkling wine. That is a strong <laughs> Andy impression that you have. <laughs> Dang, that was good. We, I don't even think we need to drop in the clip. No, now. I we think got, we nailed <laughs> it. Got it in one. Um, but I, I, and I love that, like, he says this and it's so, like, I know this and I sound smart, but, mm-hmm. like, that you make it sound like those are the only other two. Right. Like, like, <laughs> Yeah, you've got your you've got your pinks. You've got like that's not even mm-hmm. everything. Like you've got your ports. You've got your uh, yeah dessert wines. Yeah, yeah. But Andy was helping. He was. Helping. Yeah. I do like how he defiantly drinks the wine, which I can really relate to. Like you're supposed <laughs> to spit it out. Like fuck you. I'm not gonna fucking spit out this wine. It's wine. And like yeah, he got yelled at about it. He's gonna drink it. Why are they there? Like what? What are we doing here? Like, yeah, what why is this, this scene happening? about? What are we doing in the reality of Twin Peaks? What are we doing in the storytelling aspect of I, Twin Peaks? I, what is going I on? I think it's a genuinely entertaining bit that he sticks his nose in to smell the wine. And, and then, and then the, 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 the bandage on his nose is, is filled up with red wine. So that's <laughs> funny. Good I'll bet. give that. But, but, okay, if this was one scene, fine. Yeah. But the fact that it's one scene, and then we go to another scene, and then we come back to check back in with the wine tasting group, <laughs> is like, come on. I did my seat about the This has characters. nothing to do with anything. And yet Lucy's yeah, still pregnant. Like, none of it. It's. Yeah. Is it? <laughs> is it just to, like, reintroduce Richard Tremaine so that he can host the Miss Twin Peaks event? Honestly, it felt like a time filler. It felt like, hey, it's we a, need to yeah. get more, like, 
hashtag quirky Twin Peaks shit into this show. And because in the beginning, it was just we're learning about this thing and we're learning all the quirks. And now they have to Mm -hmm. like sort of uh, pigeonhole us into, not pigeonhole, but like sort of wedge in ways to be like, remember how kooky these guys are? I just wish they were, they knew there was an ending coming. And at this point Mm -hmm. they didn't. Because they wouldn't have put this in if they knew they were racing to an end. I think they had clues of it, but I also kind of think, like, there's a certain balance to it. Like, if um, if the whole pie scene at the double R happened and, like, there wasn't a balance to it, you know, because, like, they're enjoying the hell out of food. And, mm-hmm. you know, the the wine tasting kind of, you know, it's like there there's other there's other enjoyment of food and all that. And it, it just feels like it's... Um, kind of of a theme of enjoyment. I mean, maybe that's why Lynch talked about pie at the beginning. Mm. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. Then I wish wish there were, like, another character in that scene that we cared about. Mm -hmm. Because it's going back to the Andy, Dick, and um, Lucy trio that is... A difficult trio. I think Bobby like, was supposed to be part of it, actually. That's what I... I was just yeah. looking... Like, it's in the Wrapped in Plastic stuff. Yeah, where yeah, exactly. The, yeah. Bobby um, was supposed to be in this... And there's a line that was changed in post mm-hmm. where at the yeah. Twin Peaks pageant, Bo, like, Ben Horn says something to Bobby, and Bobby's like... Yeah, like, think, you know, talk about, about dry cleaning or whatever. Yeah, he says something really, about, like, don't forget really, the dry cleaning. Yeah, but don't it was really about, about the, don't don't miss I'll the, see you with the wine, wine tasting, tasting later. Or something, yeah. yeah, and that's why Bobby says thank you instead of you know it's like, oh god laundry. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's yeah, it's bizarre. Um, but yeah, I think I think Bobby being in that scene could have been funny. Mm-hmm. But also, mm-hmm. Bobby's eighteen years old. Yeah. Why would he? Have oh, been yeah, in that's that true. Scene? Yeah. I bet that's why they I took mean, it out. Is I don't in the nineties. What was the what was the I mean I think it was back in the seventies when, when drinking ages got boosted up to not a crop I'll look it up. You guys Because I feel like some of them went pretty late of of ages being like eighteen you could drink in certain states and those states were always like Oregon and you know, Montana or these places like that. Yeah. Go ahead, you guys keep talking. I'm gonna do this. No, I'm I'm just looking at <laughs> oh, okay. I'm very just curious. giving me more work to do. When I'm doing editing, thank you. Exactly. See, I'll give you one big chunk to cut out mm-hmm. rather than cutting in and out. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, as of 1969, it was 21 in Washington. Okay. But it was 18 in um, Montana. So you're okay. right on that. All right. Also, Montana didn't have speed limits until like 15 years ago. So that's another fun fact wow. about Montana. Lawless town, that is. Um, <laughs> Missoula, that's where Missoula, everyone dies. Montana. Um, also, Montana's where the Unabomber lived, and I just watched a documentary about him, and that's all I want to talk about now. Anyway, okay, back to the Double R Diner. Uh, Gordon and Shelley are uh, talking in the booth. Um, ugh, I don't know how I feel about this whole thing. I loved <laughs> the establishment of Shelley was the only person mm-hmm. he could talk to. Mm-hmm. And I think it's very cute. As soon as he smooches her, I get deeply uncomfortable. <laughs> because A, she's, well, younger. B, she's at work and maybe don't, like, 
Well, she's not working. Make out with somebody when they're at their place of work. B, Mm -hmm. isn't she dating Bobby? Yeah. Um, it all, but, but here's she's the just thing, like totally. It, I mean, she's obviously on board with it. Like she consents to yeah. it, but it's still like, mm-hmm. what are we doing here? The thing to me is that it feels very innocent. It doesn't feel. It doesn't it's not a sexualized kiss, if that's a thing. Like it's a very like. I just think I'm leaving, mm-hmm. and you're a beautiful person, and I want to have kissed it. Mm-hmm. And that's all it is. And I really don't feel like it's anything more than that. Yeah. And it's and it kind of draws to like you're this 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 beauty beyond what you look like. You're sure. the person who made me here. Mm-hmm. You are all these things and I just like it's just like I want to give you a hug but that's not quite enough. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like I I, I do, I, but to me it just brings up that like you that he can't establish a relationship with a woman without it being at least mildly sexual. Like that, that is what it felt like. Yeah. Sure. But I, that's, I get it. I I think it kind of meets in the middle somewhere because it was in 1990 and like, you know, it's like there, there's a certain level of things that you just weren't, you know, taught to think about. Therefore you probably don't. And, um, you know, it's like, I, I think Lynch really did think it was, you know, a nice little innocent thing. And I think everybody did at the time. But, yeah, there's there's definitely like that, that under the surface of 1990 culture that, you know, we hadn't quite gotten to yet. And that's David Lynch. I feel like, yep. what, I, like, I think he's just, he, that's how he, uh, he is a hyper appreciative of beauty. And that's mm-hmm. how he appreciates beauty. Do you know what I mean? Like I, yeah. like I don't think he's like a like a sexual predator in any way. Yeah. But, but like he's a very amorous person. Yeah, and... I get the idea that like he's not disrespecting people, and he understands the people are more than their beauty. Yeah. But like he also just like compartmentalizes it, and like when he's thinking about the beauty part, then like he just kind of like goes art critic on it or something. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't yeah. know. A little bit. Yeah. Um. So they have pie with uh, Cooper and Annie. <laughs> Which there's at least three empty clean plates, or not like had been eaten off of they have at the table. Yummy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, when they show wine, up, and, and then they bring in pie. like six, six or seven more slices or whatever. <laughs> yeah, so three more each. You're eating like. <laughs> Like entire pies per person, which is, is it, fabulous. Because they're all cherry pie, wasn't it? Like I would at least think they'd be like a cherry pie and a huckle pie, huckleberry pie and a apple pie or cherry. whatever. But it just looks like because they put them on each individual mm-hmm. plate. Yeah. Like here's each of your slices of pie. They're all the same. You're what I do know is every one of them looked incredibly I delicious. I would literally murder you right now if I could get a piece of pie out of it. Yeah. <laughs> like on camera. I have you. You've been out there, John. Yeah. To, Okay, like I, they joke about it being like the best cherry pie, and I've never typically been a pie person for oh, the most part. So like I like, though. I don't like big thick creamy pies. Like I don't like pumpkin pies for the most part. I don't like like any like, but I do love a good apple pie or cherry pie. Mm-hmm. And then we went to the Twin Peaks Fest uh, a few years ago, and good. holy crap, was that legitimately? Really, really good pie. Very good. Oh pie. yeah, it's it's pretty serious. They know what they're doing yeah. up there. Yeah, they're not messing around. 
Um, so the kiss. Oh, Bobby enters, and it, it says he's confused <laughs> with the record he's scratch. Angry too. Yeah. <laughs> well, They're wondering how I ended up here. Like, <laughs> he's, he's, he's confused. What is it? Like a Parker Lewis? He's going to call timeout? Yeah. Or, or Zach, <laughs> Parker Lewis. Who's did Parker I, Lewis? Yeah. I, I did I just date myself? I dated myself. Who's Parker oh, man. There was Who's a Parker TV show Lewis? in the oh. early 90s called Parker Lewis Can't Lose. Mm-hmm. Oh, I love it. It was – um, oh, my gosh. It, it, was, it was sort of like a also ran to Ferris Bueller. Yeah, that, like yeah, like just style wise. Sure. Straight to camera. I just remember he had like these button up like silk shirts that he wore all the time, oh, no, and I like loved them. Colored? Yeah, yeah, and I were. loved them, and I that I want that's all I ever wanted was was silk shirts that were. I know what you're getting for Christmas. <laughs> oh God, Parker Lewis can't lose. <laughs> uh, no, a silk shirt. And and I remember there was a guy who his name was Larry Kubiak. And he always had Larry's lunch. Yeah, that's an example of one of the shirts. <laughs> and it always said Larry's lunch, but he forgot an R, and so there'd be the little carrot and an extra R in his lunch bag where he wrote Larry's lunch. And it was, like, very much out of police squad because he was too tall, and he was his head was always out of frame. Oh. Is that the end of the joke? Man. I'm just... I was waiting for the punchline. All, <laughs> all of Parker Lewis Can't Lose is flooding back to me right now. Well, and I... Had forgotten about Parker Lewis completely. Mm. I've even forgotten about why I started talking about Parker Lewis can't lose. Because we did the record. <laughs> Just because the record scratch. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> anyway, okay, so we go back to the wine tasting. Uh, Lana displays her expertise in wine. Who cares? We don't care about Lana. Um, mm. Lucy becomes a have expertise. She's just like banana. <laughs> <laughs> That's not expertise. Because it's just a refined me. palate. It's such a great delivery, though. <laughs> <laughs> um lucy becomes offended with dick's behavior and spits some wine on him classic comedy i did actually forget in the last one when he like tells everybody to drink or i don't know if it was the scene drink and then spit and it's just a wide shot of everybody just like spitting their wine out which is so I, gross. my favorite is when he says to drink it and the guy in the front in the wide shot slam is jams just, it like he's got a full glass of wine he's just go, 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 like, he was take, not taking it all the it's way like, back fucking finally. which is a choice. Mm -hmm. And I love that it's just like an extra <laughs> beer. Like, I'm going to be the guy who doesn't get it. And I he just slugs wine. I love strong extra choices. Oh, we were just it. watching a it. movie last night. It's called Yes, God, Yes. It's mm. new. And there's this one part where whatever, something happens. And there's a guy, an extra, and he's wearing yeah, his white I had to sweater. Rewind it for you. <laughs> and Mikey rewound it because he wanted me to see it. And, like, something happens. And he just does this, like, <gasps> Like very like like clutching, and it's just like you know what? You make the most out of your four seconds of framework. Like you got so this, good. buddy. So good. Anyway, um, Cooper has a drink at the Great Northern's fireplace. Jack joins. Cooper has a glass of milk at the Great Northern fireplace. Oh, he mm. hasn't had a drink. Drink has he? That's Not the, that we've Mikey seen. Mikey has noticed that we never see. He's Cooper been drink. served a drink a handful of times, but mm. I've never seen mm -hmm. him sip it. Like, he's got a bottle of beer in front of him in the roadhouse when the giant appears and does mm -hmm. the no thing. Yeah. There's, he, they get served the smoking blue thing. Yeah. Um, but I don't think I've ever seen him drink. Which I wonder if that's just, like, I bet if you paid enough attention, like, not that many people actually drink their drinks on camera. 
Yeah. Like if they're just sitting at a bar. Sure. Mm-hmm. But anyway, so he's drinking milk like one does. A lot of people drinking milk. Is that a thing with David Lynch? A lot of people, like um, the Hayward family, did we just skip up? Oh, no, that's the next thing. I think the milk is just a very wholesome, <laughs> rounded. Mm-hmm. Like it's it's the Midwesterner in David Lynch, I think, yeah. a little bit. Like it's just a very simple... Just drink an adult drinking milk with a meal feels really weird to me. <laughs> like there's so hmm. few meals that milk would complement, and those meals are cookies <laughs> and pie. <laughs> yeah. Um. Okay. So but, Jack- but I think yeah the the difference is he's drinking milk and then Jack sits down next to him with like a mm. shot of presumably whiskey. Yeah. Or yeah. Um, and feels all optimistic and uh, yeah. And Wheeler's like a little pessimistic, but mm-hmm. I don't know. It's it, it's got a good feel to that scene. Like I've always I, been a fan of that one, even though it's yeah. You know, I mean, it's it's a little patriarchy, <laughs> you know. It's but but it's, you know, like even as yeah, back, like talking about their ladies. Two thousand, yeah. But even back as far as two thousand, you know, it's like it, it's kind of like they they end it with like wishing each other luck. So in in a way, we got Cooper's blessing mm-hmm. for Audrey's relationship. Yeah, Even if it's, like, so really weird. abstract. Not yeah. Good. It it doesn't um, age too well now, but, like, I can kind of see that was probably the point of it. Yeah, we did see Cooper, like, have a lot of... Ownership isn't the right word, but, like, uh, uh, responsibility for Audrey, I guess. Mm-hmm. Like, he feels very mm-hmm. paternalistic toward her. Um, was this our first time that Jack and Cooper met? Yeah. Yeah, so the, the only time. time. The yeah. only time. Okay. And they don't and even I... talk about who they're talking about. Yeah, which is great. <laughs> but I, I like, like, it also has that moment of, like, sometimes when you're angry or upset about something, like, you mm-hmm. you just want people to be like, yeah, man, whatever you're thinking, that's the fucking yeah. worst. I get it. That Fuck that. And then sometimes, like, <laughs> he does the thing where, like, well, you're wrong. <laughs> and it's, well... Yeah, I know, but and then and then kind of shifts his his focus, like, mm. and he's like, "Love is hell." Well, but except that it's not. Like, okay, and it's stranger, like, I just need you to agree and, with me. Yeah, once. Exa- and it's just a, kind of a cool moment of like, they're both viewing the exact same thing from very different mm-hmm. points, mm-hmm. and then kind of end up in the middle, which is where yeah. it should be. It's yep. like we've talked about the duality of character. It's the yeah. duality of a an idea. And the truth is somewhere in the middle. Everything yeah. has a balance. Yeah, like one picking fear, one picking uh, love. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and yeah. And like even even Annie's, uh, even the boat scene had that in it. Like where, mm-hmm. like once once you stop picking fear, you can pick love. Yeah. Um, Jack has then brought a telegram, um, and he decides to check out at the hotel. So that is next episode. The last time we see. Yes. I think so. Oh, I'm going to miss him and his wig. Okay, um, so we cut to the Haywards. Wait, what? I know. I don't mean to, to ruin anything Ruining the you. illusion. He's, I had he's no a idea. He's man. He can pull it off. But it is a wiggy wig. Um, <laughs> but what a 1990s thing that, like, we can't have a handsome man unless he has a lot of thick hair. Yeah, it's true. He can't yeah. be handsome and, like, balding. That ain't a thing. Well, also, though, she's 18, so, like, you kind of need a guy with hair instead of a guy who yeah, doesn't That is a strong it. point. It does make him look significantly old. <laughs> it's a strong yeah, point. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Uh, 
So we're back at the Haywards, um, and Donna is kind of needling her mother about the flowers she got and her association with Ben. Needling Horn. with with like giant like railroad spikes. <laughs> mm-hmm. Like n- there's no subtlety to anything Donna is doing in this it's scene. Her yeah. Goal try to get her mom to confess in front of her dad, or is her goal to just let her mom know that she knows something? Probably that. What is? I don't goal? think she's thought it. Uh, like everything Donna's yeah. done. She hasn't yeah, she's... thought it through to the second point of the plan. It's I, she has anger. Yeah, exactly. It's <clears throat> it's ah uh, this, and then yeah. see where we go from there. This um, scene kills I... me though because of the lack of plates for Harriet and Gersten. <laughs> yes, where are they? I didn't know. Where that. are they? We see Harriet in. Is it the pilot or the se- or the first episode? It's it's the pilot and the first episode of the second season. And then that's the the second oh, right. season premiere is the only time we ever see Gersten. Gersten, and, so, yeah. and then season three. We're and like, then Donna's an only child. <laughs> it's it's so strange. Um, and and I always hated the continuity of the scene starts with pass the peas and then they pass the peas and they're right <laughs> in front of mm-hmm. um, Mrs. Hayward. I'm. I yeah. Mean, nope. That's it. And then later, it's like, can you pass the piece? Can you pass the piece? And then she mm-hmm. passes them again. But yeah. And then she takes another big shovel like, full. You, why? Do you, why start the scene with that if it's just? In my yeah, opinion, who knows? The Hayward family loves peas, and so the peas are just constantly <laughs> just, circulating around yeah, the table. They, <laughs> and and Gersten and Harriet have to sit far from the table, but they pass mm-hmm. them slightly mm-hmm. off camera. Mm-hmm. Got it. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah no, yeah. It, it goes down to the basement in about five minutes. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Um, <laughs> so uh, Mrs. Hayward says that her association with Ben is probably because of charities, and then Donna said something about the roses or whatever. Roses are very also, romantic. Doc Hayward has a very <laughs> Trump look in this scene. He's Ooh. He's got a very, like, oddly light yellow hair and orange face, and I didn't like it. Oh, God, oh. I didn't notice that. Just saying. Yeah, I, 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 I missed that, too. I did not no. enjoy it. You have a mental block there. Um, yeah. Donna's parents try to drop, drop the subject. Um, okay, and we are on to the finale of the episode. Uh, we're at the, par- the gazebo in the park where they find a wooden box, apparently from Wyndham Earl, and they think it's a bomb, but they can't. I love the part. He's like, we think it's a bomb, but there's no, Harry says, there's no, me- they don't have a bomb squad, so they have like a metal detector. So they think it's a bomb, but there's no metal in it, and there's no ticker, which I love the idea that like <laughs> any timed bomb has to have a literal like, like a little egg timer going off in it. Like there's no such thing as a digital clock well, early, early bombs used to use egg timers because they were geared and the gears would trigger something oh why do you know that i watch a lot of tv <laughs> i thought just there was just a countdown we always see that no like a digital doesn't do anything like there's actual a mechanism moving mm-hmm. in a in a ticking like egg timer so that it would when it gets to a certain point trigger something yeah okay that's fair but something that is what Four foot long it's by four foot long ginormous. by like eight foot high, maybe isn't operated off an egg timer. <laughs> um, they believe it to be a bomb, but when the box is pulled open, it's the pond containing Rusty Tomaski's body. I love how this is pulled open, though. Like, a they have the full the little drop cord, which I think is a cool thing. But like the way 
Cooper is already planning what he's doing. He grabs the rock. He's tying mm-hmm. the tape. And he's just talking to Harry, not explaining, uh-huh. here's what I'm going to try and do. He just starts doing it. Mm-hmm. And then he shows off his like marksmanship or whatever, which we see earlier mm-hmm. that he's a really good shot. And he gets to use the new gun that oh, he just yeah. got a couple episodes ago. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I love that like that whole scene just plays out in a cool way. Mm-hmm. I I love the whole thing and and Harry's it's 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 it feels very really early Twin Peaks to me where like Cooper's three steps ahead yeah. and he's doing this thing mm-hmm. and Harry's just kind of like standing there holding the rock being like I uh, just let me know what you need I guess I, <laughs> here's the rock you gave me I don't I'm know emotionally what you supporting yeah. you here he, Cooper picks up the rock yeah. and puts it in Harry's hand and Harry's like examining it and kind of like flipping it around like yeah it's, this is a rock, a rock all right Nailed but never it. questions him about why he gave him a rock yeah. like mm-hmm. i just love that whole dynamic mm-hmm. but they also <laughs> the thing i do love is they're like tell everyone to stand back and then they do that and then they go to walk behind the car and there's like nobody else there <laughs> it's just the <laughs> three of them that. it's it's cooper it's hawk and it's harry or uh, yeah they stood way back cooper hawk and, and cooper and like cooper, that's hawk it and cooper Harry. Cooper, Hawk, and Harry. Sorry. <laughs> and it's just, that's it. Those are the only people there. But they made an effort to be like, make sure everyone gets back. <laughs> like, as though there's like press there or yeah. something. Uh, uh, and the sign on it says, next time it will be someone you know. Dun, dun, dun. And that is the end of that episode. Yeah. I like the, I like the paper mache. I like the paper mache pawn. Because it is so dumb and so overwrought that it feels really at home in this universe of like, no, 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 I can't just like lay a dead body in the gazebo and like, mm-hmm. I have to make sure and yeah. like put a, another like pawn in his mouth or like sew it in his pocket or whatever. Like, no, 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 no. Yeah. I'm going to make a human sized pawn and I'm going to sneak <laughs> it into the I'm gazebo mm-hmm. under the cover it's of It's Diane night. Keaton. She's inspiring. Oh, so inspiring. Um <laughs> Okay, cool. Any um any last thoughts on that episode, John? Um not not in an overall way yet, but um like I, I just like that we actually got to see Winamurl like making that pawn. Like yes. it's, it's just neat, you know, it's like you never get to see the supervillains like doing their thing. They just, you know, they already have their death trap or whatever. But like, you know, this time you know, it's like okay, this guy puts time into it, you know. He, he... <laughs> It's, especially since details. you didn't see how he got yeah. the guy. Uh-huh. Yeah. Just... yeah, he's wacky, but he's proficient. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, also, paper mache, man. When was the last time you saw paper mache? Junior high? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, God. Um, I just remembered, like, the feeling of that paper mache, and I didn't like it. Sorry. <laughs> I just had a really visceral reaction to that. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, and I felt like this was a little bit of a throwback to, like, the original Wyndham Earl that we liked of, yes. like, the mm-hmm. crazy good, genius sure. instead of just, like, a This goof. is good Wyndham Earl. Yeah. I will give you yep. that. Yeah, Absolutely. Okay. Um, okay. Well, and and it's, it's weird, though, that, like, you get your biggest chess metaphor in this episode or, like, your, like, your symbols. Symbol, yeah. The symbol, yeah. But you don't even see the moves? Yeah. Yeah, they really you, don't you, talk it about isn't the like, oh, well, we made this move and he made this move and it took a pawn. And yeah, now we're gonna well, expect something. It's just kind of like, wait, what happened? That's actually a very did, good did point. Pete fail in his attempt? Because Pete says So, okay. So they're making moves every day in the paper, right? Mm-hmm. 
So pretty much there's a move a day. And Pete says three or four days ago, mm-hmm. it's going to take at least five or six moves before a piece can be removed. Mm-hmm. So where did this come from? So or, he... But then but then Cooper says he's like playing off the board now. Yeah. So is he, is, is he just like scrapping the whole That's what it seems actual like game and yeah. now I'm just going to use the chess as a metaphor for some shit? Yep. Yeah, I, I, I think what happened there is Harley Payton and Robert Engels finally won the war on that one, because <laughs> Mark Frost is the one who wanted the who wanted the chess metaphors and everything. But then, like, he started okay. doing pre-production on Storyville, and you know, he he was <laughs> the only guy who actually knew anything about chess. And uh, yeah. eventually, like, you know, they they just kind of like were phasing it out slowly. <laughs> And it, and it feels like someone being like, ah, fuck this. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. I'm, do- I'm done with chess. I yeah. don't care. Yeah. Don't get it anymore. That's good. Well, John, thank you so much for joining us. We really appreciate it. And um, hopefully we will uh, have you on again sometime. Is there anything uh, you want? Oh, do you want to plug your website? It was. Oh, yeah. Yeah. 25 years sorry. later site. Yeah. We've, um, we've been going strong since like just before. Um, since just before season three aired and like we just haven't quit like it's crazy like we're we're into music now we're in we we've got a sports site we've got a horror site <laughs> it's like this this is uh quite the uh quite the growth potential from a original twin peak site the but, idea that like yeah, 25 it's... years later doesn't mean anything for any of these other yeah. <laughs> like tangential elements well it does yeah, yeah it's like the, the whole point is you know like we're we're going to be talking about things that you are going to talk about 25 years later oh mm. nice i like that yeah okay great yeah, we well thank you that. again and um we will talk to you soon Hey, thank you. And thank you for having me on. I had a good time here. Oh, good. Yes. I'm glad. Thanks, John. How many, what other ones have you got? I, I know you've, you kind of make the rounds. Have what you done podcasts? any other podcasts recently oh. that uh, <laughs> I should be listening to or whatnot? Oh, man. Um, there's a, there's a couple that are going to be coming up, I think. But um, yeah, I think the last time I was on was uh, Twin Peaks Unwrapped. Uh, okay. For, oh, nice. uh, for another couple of recaps. Were you were you on that the thing they did a week or so a couple weeks ago where they were doing a rewatch episode and David Lynch was just like hey guys and just like popped on oh, to their you like, know what? live no, stream? I, no, I always miss those because we've got we've got two young kids and that's like prime yeah. bedtime time zone <laughs> so I always miss them and I wish I could have been there but yeah, what you gonna do? Yeah, I just I just saw all of that blowing up the next day when you're like, here's the clip of when David Lynch just mm-hmm. decided to pop into our. Yeah, that's so cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, great. absolutely. All right, all right, sounds good. We will talk to you soon, Jen. All right, Bye. take care. Thank you for listening to Cooper Duper, a Twin Peaks podcast for regular people, hosted by Michael Greif and me, Jessica Blumke Greif. Our podcast logo is by Foraker Creative. You can follow them at Foraker Creative. Our theme music is by Brad Chactus. You can always email us at cooperduperpod at gmail.com. Please go on iTunes and leave us a positive review and tell a friend. We'll see you next week. <laughs>